Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. When I was 13 years old, I was invited to church. I'd never heard of God, never heard of Jesus. I'd never set foot in a church in my life. But my next door neighbor invited me to a local Baptist church. There was an all-nighter event that night, 7 p.m. till 7 a.m., 12 hours of activities. And right at the end, someone shared the gospel message. Someone told me about Jesus. And for the very first time, I heard that good news. I wasn't sure how to respond, but he gave me an opportunity to raise my hand and pray a prayer. That man, his name was Quentin, would soon become my brother-in-law because I would end up marrying Nadia, which is his sister. It was the last thing we did that night. It was at the end of the matrix. And I raised my hand and made a decision to follow Jesus. And I fell in love with him that day. I found friends in the church. I found a family, a tribe. I found a cause. I found a mission through my relationship with Jesus. And as importantly, through my relationship with his church. I found answers when I made a decision for Christ. I found answers when I joined that local Baptist church. I found acceptance, camaraderie stability, fellowship, hope. And friends, I found answers. The church became the place where I learned the disciplines of our Christian faith, a place where I became an apprentice under Christ. I had an encounter with the Savior. I realized that He was more than that. He was my Lord. He would soon become my friend. And I'm realizing all the more that He is also my rabbi, my spiritual teacher. In short, the church has taught me how to have a relationship with Jesus. It was in the church where I found my greatest friends, Sam and Anna Smith, Tom and Michelle Foster, my deep friendship that I have with Jaden. I dedicated my four kids in the church. I found my wife in the church. I found Jesus in the church. I've baptized thousands of young people in the church. I've seen thousands of teenagers make a decision for Christ in the church. I've seen hundreds of kids Young people who've got issues with depression, suicidal thoughts and anxiety be set free because of the impact of the church on their life. What a blessing we can be, the church. A group of believers following Christ. No single group of people in history has committed more or contributed more to education, healthcare, the welfare and protection of kids than Christians have. No group of people have fought the slave trade more than Christians have. No group of people have added more to the cause of charity than Christians have. The greatest scientist who ever lived was a devout Christian. His name, Sir Isaac Newton. The world's largest orphanage system was started by a Christian. The church is the largest current provider of health care and education in the world. The church helped abolish slavery, start universities all over the world, built the world's first hospitals. We have been a tremendous catalyst for change in our world. We have an amazing ability to do good. Isaiah 60 verse 22 says this, one of my favorite verses. The smallest family will become a thousand people and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation. And at that time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. A small family, a tiny group can make a tremendous impact. My experience that day at that Baptist church is best described to you by way of an illustration of Apple AirPods. I get it. I get it. The arrogance of the founder, the ethos maybe of some of the values of the company, the price is a real put off. I get that. But the ergonomics, the aesthetics and the marketing cannot be argued. This is a brand 
that knows what it's doing. I bought these AirPods recently and I opened them up and they instantly connected to my phone and computer. I couldn't believe it. It was effortless and it was simple. I felt in that moment so happy, but I think beyond that I felt understood. That was my experience when I went to church. I felt the simplicity, I, I felt an ease about the journey of my relationship with God. I felt understood. I felt like this intuitive relationship that I was starting in its infancy with Jesus through the church. When I started going to the church, that's what I experienced, a simplicity and ease. But then I began to overcomplicate it and overthink it and I ruined it. The church though is to be admired and honored, revered. It's a miracle in motion. I believe it's God's plan. It is what God is building on this earth and it's the only thing that will last forever. 130 million people in the US this weekend will go to church on Sunday, which is larger than the combined total of all the people that will attend all the events of all the four major sports this year in one day. There are 2.2 billion church members worldwide, which friends is larger than the population of both China and India combined. What a blessing the church can be. People of faith have mapped the world, Columbus and Marco Polo, the calendar, the science of genetics, the university system itself, Harvard, Yale, Oxford, Cambridge, all started by Christians. The arts, Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, all men who came from the Catholic Church, the first hospitals in the fourth century, Queen Elizabeth II with her meaningful presentation of the gospel every Christmas is the longest serving monarch in human history. Martin Luther King, William Wilberforce, deeply spiritual men. Abraham Lincoln. Is there anything that's more helpful, uplifting, brilliant or wonderful than the church of Jesus Christ? But in the same token, is there anything more reviled, rebuked, attacked, misunderstood than his church? Quentin, my youth pastor, for 25 years, my brother-in-law, is famous in coining this phrase. You don't get to tell the bride that she's fat on her wedding day. In other words, we don't have the right to tear down the church, which is the bride of Christ. The ironic quirk and the twist of fate in that phrase is that we, you, me, could very well be that cellulite, that wrinkle, that spot, and that blemish that we are so quick to tear down. We're starting a series today called We Are Local, which is a collection of the core values of our church, volunteerism, hospitality, the church, worship, giving, relationships. And today I wanna to talk to you about building the church. And the title of my message is simple, Build Local. And if you have a Bible, Genesis 28 verse 10 will be the key scripture that we'll read today. And it says this, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to the heavens. As I read, could you just, just picture some of the analogies that are taking place in the scripture? That he slept on a, on a rock and then the rock was under his head. The Bible says that Jesus is the capstone, the headstone, the cornerstone. The Bible then goes on to say here that there was a stairway and there were angels ascending and descending on what we call what we, what we would go on to call Jacob's ladder. That really the ladder that gives us a way into heaven is in fact Jesus himself. He had a dream. He saw a stairway resting on the earth. It's top reaching to the heavens and the angel of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I'm the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac. 
I will give you your descendants, the land that you are lying on. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and south. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I'm with you and I'll watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until you have done, until I've done what, you've, what I've promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? And this is our key scripture. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and note this, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, then will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God and the stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. How awesome is this place, he said. Surely this is the house of God. Father, we pray, God, that as we enter into the seven-week series, as we, Father, talk today about the Bible and we talk about the, the, the church of God, as we read the scriptures and figure out what it is to build your house, Father, we pray that you would be with us and you would speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I guess we should define the church, or at least ask the question, what is the church? What do you think when I ask you what the church is and how it's defined? Our backgrounds will mean that our answers will be varied. Our understanding is potentially limited, all of us. But let me tell you what I think the church is not. I think the church is not a building. I think the church is not a place that Jesus died for. I don't think the church is necessarily an institution or an event that I attend or a place I go to. I believe that the church, by way of my layman's definition for us here today, is simply a church family, a, a spiritual family of believers that I belong to. Rick Warren extends the definition and says that the church is a group of baptized believers who've joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's five purposes for their lives. Today, we're talking about building local. As a preaching team at local church, we believe in the value of preaching to time. In fact, Brian Houston is quoted in saying, one minute over time is one minute outside of your authority. I think people go over time for a few reasons. I think they're apathetic to the fact that there is a timer. I think they might be tired and just be just, well, just tired. Or they're excited about the topic. As an early way of an apology, let me just let you know that for me, this is the latter and not the former. I am deeply excited about preaching to you on the topic of the church, the local church the regular gathering of the saints, the spiritual family that I belong to. I love the church. I defend the church. I live for the church. I believe in the church. Ephesians 3.10 says this, Through Christians like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among angels. Ephesians 5.25 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The value that we place on something is determined, I think, by what we're willing to pay for it. Bitcoin is a great example. Tickets to Justin Bieber, Nadia's birthday present, my new hooker running shoes. The value that we place is determined by how much we're willing to pay for it. The church of Jesus Christ? What was the price tag on that? Well, it was the Prince of Peace that offered up his life and paid the ultimate price for you and I and the building of the church. 
if you're taking notes, I've got three things that I want to say to you around the reason of why I build local. And so if you're taking notes, I build local because number one, I become aware of his presence. Jacob's closing statement is simple. He says this, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. It was a revelation to him. God had turned up and he named that place God's house. The catalyst though, I think is the phrase before that where he says this, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. His awareness of God's presence helped him to find the experience itself. Jacob's experience was this, the Lord was there. I'm now aware of it. It is the church. Let me just rephrase that a touch. Let's look at it another way. It is the church because the Lord is here and I'm becoming more aware of it. At church is where we become aware of his presence. Second Chronicles 7.10 in the message says this, Believe me, I've chosen and sanctified this temple that you have built. My name is stamped on it forever. My eyes are on it and my heart is in it always. My daily spiritual disciplines build my life, but my weekly church attendance resets my walk. Let me say that again. My daily spiritual disciplines build my life, but my weekly church attendance resets my walk. Every day, the secret place, daily disciplines, routine and repetition. But the church helps me stay aware when I get lost. The church helps me reset and increase my awareness that I have of God's presence. I mean, at home I sing, I pray, I do the things. But when I'm in church, man, I become aware again of his presence, of his power. He's special and that, friends, is why we gather. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love to hang. I love to host. It's one of my, quality time is one of my love languages, one of my core love languages. But more than loving you, I love him. More than hanging out with you, I love to hang out with him. More than the benefits I get from spending time with you, greater are the benefits I get from spending time with him. I've been deeply impacted by his presence. I call them encounters, moments where I grow in my awareness of his presence. Baptist Easter camps as a teenager, conferences as a young adult, writing this message, I'm thoughtful and, and at times tearful of these moments as I look back through my life and look at the moments where he's earmarked and bookmarked and these watershed moments where he's touched my life. It started small as a teenager trying to hear God's voice and it grew from there. It got to the point where when we felt like he said to us, you should go to Canada, that we just knew it was him. And we wait then for the inevitable fruit of our obedience. My prayer for you today is this, is that at church, you would encounter God. We are friends, a contemporary Pentecostal church. We are an evangelical church, spirit-filled, Jesus-preaching, Bible-believing group of people. We're the church that believes in the omnipotent, powerful, and manifest presence of God. We believe that God heals, that God touches lives. Uh, lives. We believe that God is able to save. We believe that God is manifestly present in our times of need. We believe that He is not aloof, that He is not distant, that He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. We believe that God is living and that He is active. And we believe, friends, that He is here. We believe that He loves His church. During a pandemic in the last 18 months, listening to me now in your dining room, on your kitchen countertop, in your lounge, on your TV, or on your smartphone, 
riding a train, listening while you're driving a car on a podcast. We believe that he is building his church. As the pastor of our church, one of the the tests that I'm thinking about, one of the, the, the thought processes that I go through every Sunday is this, is God touching his people? Is God connecting with people? Or, or maybe a better way, are people connecting with God? In other words, is it a rhema and a live word or is it just a logos word? Is, is his word being quickened in the preaching? Is there impartation? Are people being touched in prayer and prophecy? Is he alive in the worship? Are people being refreshed? Is people's awareness of God growing because they're in church? God spoke to Moses in Exodus 25, verse 22, and he said this, I will meet with you and I will speak with you. And friends, that's a promise I claim for our lives. And I believe he does that through his church. Number two, if you're taking notes, I build local because people become a priority. People become a priority. Since marrying Nadia, I'm a changed man. I think anyone that knew me before I married Nadia or in my early stages of our marriage together, been married for over 15 years, I think anybody, anybody would agree. I am, friends, a changed man. I mean, I'm different. I'm a totally different guy. I mean, her priorities have become for me a priority in my life. Food, art, hosting, things of the soul, emotions, empathy, helping people. We went to the Louvre, I think, in 2016, saw the Mona Lisa. Walked through the Louvre, spent a few hours together. Beautiful, memorable moments I'll never forget. I hazard to think what it would have been like if we'd done that in our honeymoon 10 years earlier. I don't think I would have had, well, I would have had no choice to go, but I don't think I would have had any luck at all finding any inspiration in that place because it just was not a priority for me. But I'm glad that by the time I went, it was because of her and I could soak it up and enjoy that place. The Bible says in Exodus 28, 13, it says, There above stood the Lord and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, speaking to Jacob here, the God of your father, Abraham and Isaac. He goes on to say this, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and they will spread out to the west and east, to the north and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Look at this language and through your offspring. Look at this language. Let me, just, let me just draw your attention to a few words. Abraham, Isaac, descendants, all the peoples of the earth, offspring. God's priority clearly through this verse is that he's primarily talking with Jacob about people. I mean, all he's doing is talking about people. He's like at the top of the thing and there's Jacob's ladder and angels going up and answering questions of the church and helping people and going up and taking requests back to the Lord. And then the Lord's at the top saying, all right, Jacob, we're going to bless the whole world through you. Okay, we're going to do it. So I'm the God of, you, of Abraham and Isaac, your father, your grandfather. And we're going to touch you and we're going to impact your offspring and uh, all the peoples of the earth. God's priority is people, blessing others, impacting people. Isaiah 6, this is an, another Old Testament scripture. This is a major prophet. Isaiah 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted. Again, high, up, lifted, exalted, majestic, brilliant, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the whole temple. Above him were seraphim with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, with two they were flying and they were calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Could you, could you scroll down with me to verse eight? It says this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? That there is the lyric 
of every worship song that came out of the 80s. I mean, that's it right there. Who, you know, who, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And then he said, here am I, send me. Isaiah, here am I, send me. The Bible says this. And then he said in verse 9, go and tell this people. Let me cut to the chase here. Isaiah has a picture of God. He has a vision. And in the vision, God's like, who should I send? And Isaiah's like, send me. And then God says, go and tell these people. God's mission is always people. God's goal is always people. God is interested in the lives of other people. Isaiah's whole vision was centered around what God wanted to communicate to people. People are central to God's plan. And it's in the church that I'm reminded of that. 2 Peter 3.9 says that not wanting anyone to perish, God says this, but everyone to come to repentance. Luke 19 verse 10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. When I come to church, I reconnect with God and I become aware of His presence. And simultaneous to that, people become in my life a priority. I'm renewed in my love for others when I get around people and we worship God together. I'm aware of His presence, but people become a priority in my life. And that's not something that always happens when I'm alone by myself. Our proverb says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Ephesians 2.19 through 22 in the message says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. Amen. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. With as much right to the name Christian as anybody. God is building a home and he's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets as the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick and stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all of the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple with which God is quite at home. God is using us to build his temple. Therefore, people are a priority in the building of a place where God would feel quite at home. I build church. I love church. I defend church. I'm excited about church because I become more aware of his presence. And secondly, because people become a priority in my life. I build local because if you're taking notes, you could write this down. It helps me with Monday. We all have a Monday, don't we? I mean, we all have a Monday. I mean, that's the, probably the most ridiculous thing I've said all day. We all have a Monday. We all have a life. We all have sleep, family, work. We all have, in short, we all have tomorrow. I, I want to go into Monday knowing, though, that I have support, that I have a family. I want to go into Monday knowing that I'm filled up, that I'm refreshed, that I've got a word in my heart, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in my life. I think that's why the psalmist says this, I was glad when they told me we were going to the house of the Lord. I'm glad to go to church on Sunday because I know that there is an inevitable Monday. I'm glad to go to church because I need him for my week. I have all that I need. My life has been changed. That Sunday would be a launch pad, a diving board, that I would go from Sunday with vigor into my week. 
I build local because it helps me with my Monday. When I was young, uh, maybe at the, at the age of about 10, I had 12 rechargeable batteries for my remote control car and like, you know, whatever bits and pieces that I had that needed batteries. I didn't buy AA batteries that were like one use batteries. I invested some of my own money and bought 12 rechargeable batteries. They wouldn't last as long as a regular battery, but you wouldn't have to keep buying new ones because you could recharge them. And it had this little black recharging station. And when you would put a battery in, it would be red if it was dead, and then it would turn orange as it was charging, and then it would go green when it was fully charged. And there were these 12 batteries lined up side by side for my RC car. And they weren't one-use batteries, they were rechargeable batteries. And when they were green, I'd put them in the car and I'd use it, and then I would go through that same process again. Does that sound eerily familiar? That you and me are not one-use batteries. We don't just last a week and then we just, that's it. You and me, friends, are rechargeable batteries. But we're not recharged by a small electric charging station. We are recharged by His presence, recharged by His love, recharged by the support of our family, recharged by the invigorating, the invigorating environment that we have in church through, through friends and family and camaraderie and a common goal. Church is here to add benefit to your life. Church is here because being a part of a church family will greatly benefit your future and it will help you with your Monday. Matthew 26, 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I mean, this here is just an audacious goal, super tricky. I don't know, it's impossible. What God is asking us to do is so hard that we can't do it without His presence. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey His tapak, uh, the, the, everything that I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So that's nice for him to be with us, but what he's asking us to do is really hard. The job is not done on a Sunday. Our job starts on a Monday, which is why we need Sunday. I was 13 years old when I walked into church. A friend invited me to a Baptist youth event. 12 hours long, started at 7, finished at 7, and the last thing we did was watch The Matrix. I heard a clear gospel message that day from someone who had become my brother-in-law. I would marry his sister. My life would be deeply impacted forever from that moment. He talked about Jesus, raised my hand, prayed a prayer, and I started to figure out what it was like to apprentice under him, to realize that day that there was a savior who paid the price for my life. Last Sunday in church, there's someone preaching and they gave a gospel, a good news, what we would call an altar call or an opportunity. And someone who was sitting just across from me responded, maybe for the first time in their life, a young adult male, maybe 18, 19, 20 years old, responded and afterwards he was just trying to figure out what had happened. He's like, man, what he said impacted me and that was powerful. And he now, with his church family, is on a journey of figuring out what it is to follow Jesus. This, my friends, I believe, is the greatest miracle of a walk with God. The greatest miracle of the church is to see people make a salvation decision in their lives for their lives to be deeply impacted forever. Friend, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Your relationship with God is kind of like estranged or it's not right or you're distant from Him. He seems very aloof from you. Well, friend, I would love to, to culminate a message preaching about the church. I would love to give you a chance to pray a simple prayer to respond to Jesus and join his church. Not sign up in a membership and, you know, whatever. There's no formal documentation that you go through. 
but to join the Church of Jesus Christ. And if you want our local church, all you do is pray a prayer. And, and what you're trying to say is this, you're trying to say, God, I'm away from you. I'm wrong. I'm distant. I need you. I've been making decisions that aren't conducive to a relationship with you. Like if I was distant from Nadi, I would say, hey, man, sorry, my bad. Can we start over? Can we walk together in step? And today, maybe friends, maybe that's your, your moment that you want to pray that simple prayer in your life. I'd love to lead you in that prayer. And if everyone else who's a part of our church and feels stimulated by the message, but you're saying, oh, I'm good with God, we're, we're good. Maybe you could pray this prayer in support of all the other people who are a part of our online campus today who are praying that prayer for the first time. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I want you to repeat it back to me. And I'll believe that in that moment, believe with me, by faith, your whole life can be changed. And your future and eternity in heaven is secure because of this moment of confession of mouth and faith and heart that we're going to do right now. Simple prayer goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. We love you. There's prayer partners and a button that you can press in the chat, which will just give you an opportunity to talk with someone if you'd like to do that. If you need prayer, you can do that, church. Can I encourage you that over the next seven to eight weeks, listen to all the messages. As a part of our church, just get these sermons in you, these collection of values that we have that make up what local church is. Get it in your heart. Next week, Nadia's preaching, and I've heard her message, and genuinely, it's going to impact your life. I love her preaching so much. She's passionate about the topic. I'm really looking forward to hearing it, and I'm looking forward to you hearing it. So make sure that you tune in next week. Be a part of our online church campus. Love you so much, church. We'll see you later. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.